Hi, this is David Edelstein, film critic for NPR's Fresh Air and New York Magazine, and you are listening to Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We give you movie news, movie rumors, and those all-important movie rumblings. And the first half of the show and the second half of the show, we will discuss our chosen movie of the week. Do not worry, we will give you a fair warning before going into spoilers. And make sure you stick around for the end of the show when we give you our weekly recommend of something that you need to check out as soon as you possibly can. Richard, what movie are we going to talk about this week? It's Draft Day. Let's talk about the draft. I need you to make a splash, Sonny. If you can't do it, then I have to do it. Just to be clear here, you're threatening to fire me, right? Your job is to coach a team I give you. They do it different in Dallas? Yeah, they do. They win. A lot. So, Brian, I think last week uh, mentioned the dog days of April. Hmm. And uh, we're definitely in the midst of the dog days of April right now. This, yeah, but this is spelled D-A-W-G, like the dog pound <laughs> for the Cleveland Browns, baby. <laughs> What's up? Oh, man, this is going to be a fun one, guys. Now that, now that I've seen it, I'd rather talk about it than not talk about it so that we have that's, a reason. That's, where you, that's where you and I differ, Brian, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> having to retain it hurts. Sometimes I have to view this podcast as like therapy. Yeah. So <laughs> this is one of those weeks for sure. Well, when uh, I walked into the theater, I think I tweeted something like, being part of a movie podcast is all fun and games until you have to see <laughs> a movie like Draft Day. You know, exactly. There's nothing worse than walking in knowing, oh, man. And for the people in the theater judging you for seeing the movie, and you're like, no, I promise I'm here for a reason. Yeah. I'm not here because I want to see this movie. We should print up like press passes just so people know like yeah. when we go into awful I, movies. Well, that- I bring a legal pad. I keep a legal pad in my car, and Good I walk call. in with a pen and a legal pad, and then they're Good like, this call. guy's highly recommend it. <laughs> at least then it looks like you're, it's released for a school project or something. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! Before we dive into the awesomeness that is Draft Day, guys, uh, I want to ask you, Richard, specifically, anything you want to mention for movie news? Uh, well, I can I can throw out that it looks like Fincher's out of the Steve Jobs biopic, so probably that means, A, they couldn't pay him, or B, they couldn't get Christian Bale. What do you guys think? Uh, it was that they, they couldn't pay him, or mm. they didn't want to pay him the money he wanted. Yeah, up front. Uh, he wanted $10 million up front. But he also wanted to complete marketing control of the movie, like how the posters would look, how the trailer would look, uh, the whole nine yards. So it uh, it's not good. It's not looking good for his involvement, I should say. I think the movie will still come out, yeah. and uh, I think Sony might end up just giving him the $10 million because they don't really have anything to lose at this point. They had a couple of movies bomb in the past few years that they're uh, <laughs> they're kind of kind of desperate for a hit right now. But – like I said, I think it'll get made. Comment I saw brought up about this situation, and it's a good suggestion. So I want to shout out to whoever gave the suggestion. I can't remember your name. I apologize if you're listening. But they said that since uh, Aaron Sorkin has written scripts for this type of movie before, mm-hmm. that uh, they should just go to Bennett Miller, who did the movie Moneyball, which was oh, yeah. part written by Aaron Sorkin. And I felt like he captured Sorkin's tone uh, beautifully. In Moneyball, so that that would be my vote for who I who should take over for Fincher if he doesn't end up doing it. But what definitely, do you guys think? 
I mean, at, the social network made two hundred twenty-five million. Um, I would say this one, if it has good buzz around it, it's a good movie. Could make a similar amount of money. Um, so why are we quabbling over ten million? Yeah, I mean, he's gonna make five. So you're not quabbling over ten million. You're quabbling over three million because you're gonna pay him seven, right? Yeah, so sure. he he wants it up front as opposed to back end. Well, I mean, I don't know. You're you're gonna. You I think it's to more hit. about the marketing than it is the money. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Apparently, something happened with the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, the the razor. Like he uh, had these these movie posters printed up that were made of like metal, literally like etched metal. But they didn't find out until after they had gotten them made that that they weren't compatible with most movie theater displays or something like that. So they ended up not using them, and they spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars on them or something. Wow. So, and that was just because that's what he wanted. And and, um, I think the marketing was great for Dragon Tattoo and for the social network. I mean, especially the poster and everything for those were very innovative. And, you know, I thought captured the tone pretty well. But Social Network trailer might be the best trailer ever. That, right. The one with the Radiohead song? Yeah. It's unbelievable. And the Dragon Tattoo trailer with the yeah. Trent Reznor doing yep. Immigrant Song? That was yep. so epic. That was easily the best trailer of 2011. Yeah. So, so I mean, he knows what he's doing marketing-wise. He comes from, you know, music videos and and uh, commercials. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, with their, I think the script is so good that it'll, it'll end up coming out. It'll probably still be a good movie. It's just unfortunate because they're such a good team, Sorkin and and Mr. Fincher. So, and I think it'll still get made. I was a little wary about it just because the I thought the cooch may have ruined uh, that whole Steve Jobs genre thing. Yeah, but available on Netflix, by the way. But knowing now that you would the know. Way we talked about on a on a previous episode, the the format is like you know three different or something. Uh, Apple keynotes and the story kind of behind those. And I'm assuming just f- three 30 minute walk and talks at yeah, Sorkin, yeah. right? Just super uh, Sorkin y. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, there's a market for that. I think that'll be entertaining. It's going to be, have some great, uh, obviously, dialogue and things like that and some thematic. Yeah, but Bennett Miller's a good choice. Did Sorkin, Sorkin did the rewrite on Moneyball, right? He didn't do the original script. No, he didn't do the story, but he did a lot of the dialogue. Yeah. So. I mean, he's a co-writer, but I mean, largely, it's largely gotcha. him. So, uh, yeah, Bennett Miller would be cool. Who do you think would else would be cool besides Bennett Miller? Uh, Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding. I watched Sucker Punch less than thirty minutes ago for the oh, first time. Oh, gosh! <laughs> right after draft day, I was Man, coaxed into tough, watching Sucker Punch. <laughs> tough day for you, dude. Yeah, like, really tough day. You, good thing Fargo, the TV show, comes on tonight. I think you might be. Yeah. you might need to take your shoelaces away or something. I'm considering never watching a movie again. That's, just, <laughs> that's where I am right now mentally. But uh, who do you think would be cool, Brian? Uh, Ivan Reitman. Yeah, dang it! You stole my joke. I couldn't decide which one. <laughs> Oh, funny! <laughs> oh man! Oh gosh! I don't know. It's tough to it's tough to step in Fincher's shoes, isn't it? Like he's just such a, a unique visionary. I think. Um, Here's an interesting one, and he's more of a writer. Is Bo Willimon the House of Cards guy? Okay, yeah, yeah that'd be cool. That, that's similar tone to what they're going for here. I think probably because the Fincher factor, but exactly, he's done. He's kind of a Fincher. 
protege. He he's directed a few episodes of House of Cards, written all of them, but I think he's directed one or two. Might be an interesting if he had time choice. Yeah, that, I would watch that. It's going to be one of those things, though. I think where nobody in Fincher's camp is going to touch this project because if Fincher's out, probably all his whole you know group is out too. Yeah, that's true. So it's probably pretty unlikely, but I would definitely see that. Um, like I said, hopefully it comes out because apparently it's a great script. So if anything, they should do something with the script, whether it's a one act play on Broadway or something like that. I think you know they should. At least take advantage of an Aaron Sorkin script about Steve Jobs. I think the public would be interested in that. Uh, any other movie news you have, Richard? Brian? Uh, we've got Cumberbatch out of Star Wars. Okay. I confirmed. Uh, yeah, it looks like he had a statement that he's not going to – I mean he may be pulling a uh, – someone said online that he's pulling maybe another con on everyone. Spelled con, <laughs> K-A-H-N. That's why it's clever. Ah, um, fine. Yeah. Jokes. But yeah, he's saying that he's he's unfortunately not going to be able to be involved. I think his role went to Adam Driver. That's my instinct. Mm. Mm. Okay. That, yeah, that, I mean, I I can't see him as a Jedi really. To be honest, I I can see him as a Sith. Maybe yeah. you know. Apparently, Cumberbatch was like sending texts to J.J. Abrams every day, like pictures of him with a lightsaber and stuff, just to get <laughs> out his ear. And I think uh, I would like to see some of those texts. I bet they're pretty hilarious. Absolutely. Then that's that's kind of sad because I Cumberbatch would be perfect in this universe. Uh, I, I can't really think of a reason other than Driver got the role that Cumberbatch was eyed for. But that's just my inclination. I don't know. I heard another Star Wars rumor since we are the official podcast of Star Wars. That's right. That they are shooting right now. Yeah. It so that's really exciting. Really kept that under wraps, huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, they weren't supposed to shoot for another couple months, but one of the Disney execs was in a, an interview at a university or something, and uh, the, the MC was like, so I hear you're in charge of the new Star Wars stuff. How is that going? He's like, well, really slow. He's like, yeah, well, you're, you're going to start shooting here pretty soon. He's like, well, actually, we're, we're already shooting because huh. they're just so far behind from where they had initially planned on being because of the script delay and everything. Yeah. So I guess that's the only uh, important mentionable Star Wars news for this week. And of course, we'll keep everyone updated on Star Wars news as it um, continues to come out. Yeah. It's crazy though shooting without, with really only one principal named, cast member named. Yeah. Well, there's a, a photo leaked the other day. Uh, Harrison Ford did an AMA on Reddit. and uh, Well, I guess, like, yeah, the old people too, yeah. And like he has to... I guess sim- submit proof to Reddit that it's him. So it's him posing with a sign that says Harrison Ford, reddit.com or whatever next mm-hmm. to his, his chair that says Harrison Ford on it, his director's chair. And like the one next to him, like the, the first few letters are revealed. It's like C A R. So people are thinking that's obviously Carrie Fisher. So uh, people think that they're actually shooting with the old cast and everything already, that they're just keeping it under such tight security that no one really knows about it. But yeah. that's that's exciting. I mean, um, they really haven't made any official announcements regarding them coming back. So it still is a rumor at this point, even though we know that the movie takes place 30 years after Return of the Jedi. I guess everyone's involvement is sort of, like I said, a rumor at this point. But was uh, was Carrie Fisher's chair like broken, like busted? <laughs> or no? I told you she got a personal trainer, and Hamill has too. And I'm assuming they've done all they can. They gave it a like George Lucas told Carrie Fisher and Hamill about it apparently like eight months before he sold 
Lucasfilm to Disney that, hey, I'm yeah. writing these movies. I just need to make sure you would do it or be willing to do it and get in shape and everything. So they've probably been training for these for a long, long time. They have no excuse. I don't, I don't imagine they'll be used in any sort of like physical role really at all. So if anything, she'll be like the Aunt May to Peter Parker or something like that, you know, yeah, just yeah. be sort of an inspirational character or something. Sure. A little bit crazy inspirational character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is all all you could ask for from Carrie yeah. Fisher at this point, yeah. I guess. Uh, but I heard Peter Mayhew is returning. Yeah, yeah. Chewbacca as Ch- himself. As Chewbacca. A little surprising because I, I wasn't aware that Peter Mayhew was in the best health. He's not. He's He's got leg issues because he's like seven foot eight or whatever. Right. But uh, I guess he's willing to, to, uh, but to don be the like costume. Gray Chewbacca on a rascal. <laughs> it's a hovering rascal because it's Star Wars, but you know he kind of buzzes around. Yeah. All right, I'm in. Yeah. yeah, they did that with Yoda, didn't they? Yeah. And like the yeah, prequels, kinda, Yoda yeah. was on like a little wheelchair that floated uh, when he was talking to Anakin and, and uh, Obi Wan. But yeah, that would be interesting. And I think that, it, like I said, it won't be a physical role. I think he walks with a cane currently. I saw mm. him at Dallas Comic Con, and he was sitting down and had his cane. He's a lightsaber cane, by the way, which is awesome. Yeah, totally. but yeah, he's he's returning, so it'll be I guess Harrison Ford and Peter Mayhew as Han and Chewbacca, which ought to be great. And like I said, that a lot of the principal cast is still not confirmed, and they're already shooting. They don't even know who the main character is going to be yet, apparently. So not looking yeah. good from a pre-production standpoint, I don't think. Yeah, I wonder if they're just going to do a lot of the stuff with the with the returning actors, and then take us into a and then you know as far as the the plot goes, uh, open with the returning characters, take us into the new characters, and that way you really don't have to have all those people on set, you know, at the same time for for all that the the various shots and whatnot. So it sounds to me like they're getting all the the new guys or excuse me the uh, returning guys stuff out of the way up front almost yeah and it'll be interesting to see how they go whether the old principal cast the Harrison Fords and Mark Hamill's will be involved in like the action scenes or like I said right. if they'll just be more advisory roles or yeah, what yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll be getting more details in the next few weeks as they're continuing yeah. to shoot but and, we'll and to note to Disney over. take your time guys like yeah. it doesn't matter if you're quote unquote behind schedule if you can release this movie the first week of January, and it's going to make s- several billion dollars. So it really yeah. doesn't matter. Like, just just make the right movie. That's what we want. Yeah, a little bit of TV news, guys. Um, I guess the most important thing we should mention is that uh, the, the successor to David Letterman has been chosen. Yeah, Vegas was right again. Yeah, it was Stephen uh, Stephen Colbert. So uh, just further proof that. Most Hollywood execs listen to our podcast. This just came in, but the show is going to be showrun by Ivan Reitman. So, <laughs> good and bad news. Yeah, Colbert, interesting choice, smart choice, I think. What do you guys think? The only choice, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it would feel weird if it was anyone else, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, especially after the fact. Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, good pick. I mean, we talked last week. I, mm-hmm. I I said CBS, like, it could be a bit of a risk just because I don't know that America knows actual Stephen Colbert, you know, as much as they know his the character that he plays yeah. on the Colbert Report. But, um, yeah, it's I think it's a good choice, and he'll be, I think he'll be very good in that role. And that's a good, I think, 
it's a contrast to Jimmy Fallon, but also enough similarity that you might draw some of that crowd, yeah, that, you sure. know, away from away from Fallon. So I think that's a good. It's probably a good matchup. Here's a stat for you, and it's, and this goes for all TV because young people don't don't watch TV. And and uh, to be transparent, Kent, you are 26 years old, right? I am. Yes, I am yeah. 27. Brian, you are 30. 31. Yeah, 31. So these are our ages. Um, so the uh, the median age for David Letterman's show is 60 years old. Wow, that's CBS in general. I think it's yeah. over 55 is the average person. So, which means half yeah. of that audience is over 60. Yeah. But here's where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, the median age for Jimmy Kimmel's show, what would you guys guess? Uh, 49. Okay. Brian? Uh, I would say 42. All right. And for Jimmy Fallon's show, median age from both of you guys? I'd say it skews older than Jimmy Kimmel, so 55. Okay. Right. Uh, gosh, I just don't think our generation watches it. Uh, yeah, I would say 46. All right, so the median age for Kimmel's show is 56. Wow. And the median age for Fallon's show is 53. Wow, wow. that's pretty close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the, surprised it, Fallon skews younger than Kimmel, well, to be yeah, honest. I'm not, because he comes off younger, and he's got the roots, and he's got all the clips. All I the guess music. you would just think that Tonight Choke audience yeah. would be a loyal tonight show audience yeah. rather than who's hosting i wonder how different that was from jay that'd be interesting to note so but. you're looking at at 53 and 56 what do you think the median age for colbert show is Ooh, 25 or something <laughs> i'll go pretty young yeah i'll go 30 yeah it's it's 43 but okay. still substantially younger yeah i mean and so you think about what they're gaining there I mean, he, you're going to go ahead and have that Dave audience, the older audience, probably, because Colbert can still win them over because he's really smart. And then you're bringing this really young audience too. It's a pretty smart, if you think about it, just in sheer ratings and don't even consider the content or the comedic quality of Colbert, which we know he has. Just straight demographics. It's it's a pretty smart pick. Here's the interesting thing: interview. So we were talking about this, um, Jimmy Kimmel and um, and Stephen Colbert. And John Stewart um, are all represented by the same agent, a guy by the name of James Dixon, and he represents a lot of comedic TV people. And I was listening; he's he's also Adam Carolla's agent. I was listening to the Carolla podcast the other day, and he was talking to James. They call him Baby Doll because he calls James Dixon calls everyone baby, 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 baby. So everyone calls him Baby Doll, Baby Doll Dixon. Yeah. And he said, "Hey, it's pretty good you did with Colbert. You got two guys now at that." You know, eleven thirty spot. Spot. That's pretty incredible. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, so uh, how did it work? How quick did they call you um, after Letterman? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and James Dixon said, "What makes you think they called me?" Kind of interesting there, because <laughs> um, they did say that once Letterman announced, they all all the agents phoned in. Yeah, it, Les Moonves was like he was getting calls left and right from yeah. people, and it looks like Dixon kind of negotiated the best fee. Uh, another interesting thing about this, and then I'll shut up because I know no one cares but me, but you guys might care. So Worldwide Pants owns The Late Show, mm-hmm. and they own uh, – not as of last year, they co-own the uh, Late Late Show, the Ferguson Show with CBS. Right. Uh, but contingent with this contract, Letterman will no longer own The Late Show. So CBS now owns their late night show again for the first time ever because Letterman huh. – that was part of his deal. And Colbert is just a, a paid employee. 
um, so they can get more money off of the re- revenue from that show as well. So just kind of a couple interesting plot points there. Yeah, it was cool to see other late night hosts sort of accept Colbert. The day it was announced, all of them sort of did something yeah. in their monologue or something at their desk to acknowledge the situation. And everyone was just super, super happy for Steven. They're like, it couldn't happen to a better person, a more talented guy. So He seems uh, uh, really well respected and liked, doesn't I mean, he? I mean, what's not to like? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And you got to think that cancel Colbert. Uh, oh, yeah. Like hashtag that went around the whole controversy, if there was any. You got to think that helped him, if anything, get this. Oh, abs- absolutely. And and the way he handled that on his show, um, if I'm Les Moonves, is an incredible audition. He has a little eight minutes thing. It's on YouTube where he, he essentially just destroys everyone that was coming after him um, for the cancel Colbert joke. Um, in a very friendly, kind of very Letterman esque way. You know how Letterman was able to just like yeah. eviscerate people. And Letterman smile? had an affair, yeah. and admitted to it on the on his yeah. show on the air, and people stood up and clapped for him. <laughs> yeah. like, by the end, they were giving him a standing ovation for. It. <laughs> he just had that power over people. That's, yeah, I think Absolutely. Colbert definitely has that same uh, personality trait. And man, I'm I'm very excited for this show, though. Just I'm too. It's. It'll, yeah. it's, I, I've got more love for that than I did when they announced Jimmy Fallon as as the host of The Tonight Show. So, sure. man, I'll, I'll probably just stick with The Late Show, to be honest, right? Straight yeah. from Letterman to Colbert, just without skipping a beat. Yeah, That's going to be I, interesting. I alternate, as you guys know. I do like two weeks on each of them. Right. Um, via the, D, the DVR. Uh, so, but this will definitely be... I yeah, the late shows. If you had to ask me my favorite show, I'm a late show guy. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely give this one probably a ton of chances. But uh, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm, I think Colbert is an awesome awesome choice. I think he's going to be really likable as himself, as opposed to quote Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. And yeah. don't be surprised if if you get to see a little bit. Of, I don't think he's going to say totally goodbye to that character. But if he does. Um, then it'll make the last week of that Comedy Central show must watch because he'll have to send that character somewhere. And I think that could be really funny. Yeah, Richard, you brought up a good point about the demographics of these shows. Uh-huh. And I wanted to bring up one last thing before we talk draft day about sort of this. I saw a little bit the um, the season premiere of Mad Men was on Sunday. Yes, it was. For the last season of the show. And kind I of. saw an article that <laughs> said that the season premiere was the lowest rated season premiere that they've ever had for Mad Men besides like the second season mm-hmm. in the history mm-hmm. of the show. Yeah. And I mentioned that because the audience for Mad Men is the highest uh, per income audience on TV. Over half of Mad Men's audience makes over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Wow. Over half. Think about that. Like that's why you always see Audi and BMW ads and stuff on mm-hmm. the show. It's very it's like, uh, high skill. Watching a golf tournament. You ever watch golf right. tournament? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all you know, financial services and luxury automobiles and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. But I was just going to ask you guys because you guys are fans of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've only seen uh, the first season and a half, two seasons. So why do you think that is? Do you think it the quality of the show has dropped off over that amount of time or what? <sighs> it it has been past. Th- th- the last two seasons, um, and season we're now. This is the first half of season seven starting now. Uh, but the last two se- seasons, season five and six, were very good. Season five 
Brian, probably the best series of the show. Yeah, season five is the best, and yeah. I think season six is the it was the worst. Oh, really? Because I I yeah. just rewatched it to get ready for seven and loved it. Yeah, I, see, like, I need to go back, and I'm yeah. I'm I'm stoked. I saw it hit Netflix uh, this week or last mm-hmm. week, so I'm I'm excited to go back and watch it. It was much not tougher to. That's not the right word. Um, I feel this is maybe taking us in a tangent, but. I think Matt Weiner is tired of the character John of uh, of Don Draper, yeah. and and is like I think Breaking Bad went through this as well. But like when you're when you're writing for this character that is a miserable human being over and over and over again, and yet people just keep lauding him and loving that character, I think you get to a point where you you almost want to drag your own character through the mud just to show like. Okay, sure. this guy is a bad person. Like I, yeah. I keep trying to show you guys, and you keep loving him. Well, how about if we have him just repeat his own uh, screw ups over and over and over again? And that's what I felt like season six was. I thought there were like two or three episodes that were in the top five or six episodes that they've ever done on the show, yeah. and that the rest of it was. Uh, Better than most anything else on TV, but as compared to season five, which again I think is the best season of the show, were not not up to par for me. What do you think, Richard? Uh, well, I, I like season six, and I, Brian, I would have said that uh, last week. I just rewatched it. My girlfriend sure. was catching up, so I uh, she watched it season six in one day. I should add, that's wow. uh, what we like to call uh, Ken Garrison territory. But uh, <laughs> but uh, like the. Uh, yeah, I think there's, but I, I think the show's obviously been surpassed. It was kind of the first, um, to me, big cable show that was cable that wasn't HBO because H- I don't count HBO, right? It was kind of the first um, big ne- non-network, non-HBO drama. Yeah, and it's obviously been surpassed. Was surpassed on its own network by Breaking Bad. Walking Dead um, critically isn't as big of a hit, but definitely in terms of ratings is. You know, yeah, way bigger. Yeah. Yeah. The, the show, you know, look, it, it's it's um, you're not going to get someone that jumps in the middle of Mad Men and enjoys it. It has a no. little bit of that. You've got to follow it through like a novel. Um, so you're not going to get new viewers. In the pr- premiere of season seven, no one's going to go. You know what? I'm going to check out. I'm going to check out Mad Men. Right. Um, and then you you know it's a big binge show. I think a lot of people don't you know. And then the other thing is not everyone gets AMC. Um, mm-hmm. But I. I, I don't know. I, I really, it, but it, it's definitely been it. It hasn't gone down too much in terms of content, but it's definitely gone down in terms of relevancy. Yeah, uh, and I think because of that, really dumb to break up the season. Um, yes. Breaking Bad did that and was able to do that because I feel like Breaking Bad didn't even reach its cultural kind of foothold on everything until the last two seasons. Totally. I mean, it was always big, but it like. It happened to peak at the end. Mad Men happened to peak in the middle. So if you want to really get momentum going for the f- final season, um, you need to kind of really ride this is the final season out. You're, now everyone's writing these final season comments. Do you know when the last episode of Mad Men airs, Kent? Like the last, next summer or something? Yeah. It's, it's like, like two n- years from now? Yeah, <laughs> it's like June of 2015. That's yeah. absurd. That's a whole different yeah. season. You're making two shorter seasons is what you're doing. Um, so it's hard to really kind of like – It can only be 13 episodes. So it will be six it's per a, year. Yeah, it's seven this year and six next year. OK. Yeah. Wow. Which is ridiculous. Um, really 
you know, AMC had this brilliant year and a half, two years in the mid two thousands, and it's just been absolutely idiotic since. Um, it greenlit three incredibly powerful shows, and now they've got the show that go- goes in that is Mad Men's lead in. Not to pull a Conan O'Brien here is literally laughably bad. Turn, have you guys seen Turn? Yeah, I tried to watch the premiere, and it's, I couldn't watch it for more than ten minutes. So it's like, unbar- It's hysterically bad. So I mean, that's. I mean, if I'm Matthew Weiner, that's my argument is this is the lead in you're giving me. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting. But all that being said, Brian, did you watch the first episode, season seven? I haven't watched it yet. Uh, okay, then we won't talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we won't talk about it then. But it was good. Just in case, yeah, I just uh, wanted to get y'all's opinions on it because obviously y'all know whether it's truly suffering as a show or if it's just bad no. ratings. People aren't no. aren't watching. So. It's yeah, not suffering. Yeah, Richard said it. Said it right. It's it's it peaked in the middle. It's not going to pick up any new viewers. And I also think coming off a season like for, even for me, I'm a huge fan of the show. I wasn't that enthused about last season, so it has taken a little more. I like I have to remind myself of how good it is to go watch it. You know what I right. mean? So I haven't watched it. It's been out for two days. Um, you know, maybe another day or two before it. I I kind of bet that, but when this season ends, or well, when this half of the season ends, it'll have a much higher number. Like I would not be surprised yeah. if it's if it's ratings not you know dramatically not Breaking Bad yeah. high, but I I would imagine that its its ratings will will rise throughout the uh, throughout the season. You will uh, you'll enjoy the premiere, Brian, because. Uh, you know, Mad Men has this weird kind of effect um, when you watch it, and can't you'll you'll get through it one day. Yeah, no, I like the show. I just yeah. haven't. Yeah, there's too much stuff out yeah. there. I understand. That's how I am with a lot of stuff. Uh, but you know, I was so happy to see them all again, which mm-hmm. not a whole lot of shows have that effect. It was like, oh, Pete Campbell, man, what's that guy been up to for the yeah. last year? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, uh, that is a unique thing that show does. Like, uh, you know, obviously there's. There's so many good characters. Um, that's the I would say the argument I would make Mad Men over Breaking Bad. I, I would concede that Breaking Bad's a better and probably more important show, but Mad Men has more characters I love. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, we there's six seven characters that I adore, whereas Breaking Bad is two or three. Yeah. Uh, but uh, definitely, definitely a, a worthwhile premiere. It'll sure. be interesting to see where this, the season goes. I'll have to uh, get caught up, and guys, stay tuned. For a year and a half from now, for our Randy yeah, Graves Mad Men episode. Oh, that'll be a blast. That'll be a, a good time. So be sure and uh, c- catch up with us in a year a year or two from now. Hey, man, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, 
What the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. <laughs> That'll be great. Um, all right, guys. Well, let's do this. Let's move on and talk draft day. Draft day. History in the making. 224 young men are about to become players in the National Football League. Bo Callahan, he's the surefire slam dunk number one pick. Trade me. I'm going to do what's best for the team. All right. Let me just say this. Um, Summit Entertainment. <laughs> okay. If you're listening to this and you know someone that works there, or if you yourself might have the blessing of working at Summit Entertainment, uh, just just quit. Just stop. <laughs> just stop doing this. There is no no conceivable reason in my mind that mm-hmm. this movie needed to be made. And I've got a list here of Summit's esteemed uh, body of work, so we can just um, reflect on some of the, the gloriousness that they brought us. Are they the Lionsgate? Didn't they it's a subsidiary of Lionsgate. They're purchased okay. by Lionsgate. And they had a pretty decent run back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I didn't know. Uh, Memento, Vanilla Sky, wow. uh, okay. American Pie. That's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> prior to 2005, that, or Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I guess you could uh, mention Insomnia, Wrong Turn, some some co- sort of cult films. So after that, uh, 2008, they they greenlit Paris Hilton's The Hottie and the Naughty, <laughs> uh, Step Up to the Streets, mm, mm. and Step Up One earlier, <laughs> sure. 2006. So the good one, if you want to call it that. In late. I'm a- t- <laughs> I'm a 3D guy. <laughs> in late 2008, they brought us Twilight. Mm. That's that's the turning point, I think. Yeah, followed by Push, which you've never seen that. It's one of Terrible. the worst films to ever exist. Uh, Knowing, starring Nicolas Cage. Terrible. <laughs> um, believe it or not, June 25th, 2009, yeah. The Hurt Locker, yeah, the best knows. picture winner. <laughs> And after this, it just gets insane. <laughs> Band Slam in 2009. <laughs> New Moon. Astro Boy. Ugh. Furry Vengeance starring Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Could we get Brendan Fraser on the podcast? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's probably available. We'll I'm reading a, a book right now about, uh, <laughs> about Scientology. It, they have a whole piece in there about the, the production of Crash. Uh, because at the time, Paul Haggis was pretty involved with the church. He's since defected. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of Scientology people involved with that production. And uh, But par- they they go into detail about making it. It was almost not made 10 different times. And then the studio said, look, 
if you can get us Sandra Bullock, if you can get us two movie stars, Sandra Bullock and Brendan Fraser will give you the money. And it's like, wow, of all the embarrassing stuff in this movie, that's probably <laughs> the thing they're most embarrassed saying. Yeah. You, you got to get us a movie star like Brendan Fraser to make this, <laughs> to make this movie. <laughs> We've said before, uh, probably biggest decline ever from like a legit leading man. Like yeah. that guy was like in blockbusters, like headlining <laughs> yeah. blockbusters. And he's just, nobody would even recognize him anymore. That's yeah. insane. to think. And also, yeah. Also weird decline in just physical looks. Yeah. yeah. If we can get him to stop eating for more than five minutes, I think he'll join, him, <laughs> join the podcast. That'd be great. If you're listening. Uh, so with furry vengeance in 2010, followed by, uh, the twilight saga eclipse, step up 3d, that's the one. That's the masterpiece. <laughs> 2011's Drive Angry. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, the Three Musketeers. Yeah. And one of my favorite movies, 50 50. Yeah, yeah, they did do 50 50. Randomly sliced in here amongst <laughs> the Twilight movies. Uh, the Darkest Hour, mm. which is horrific. <laughs> uh, Man on a Ledge, mm. also great. Uh, Step Up Revolution, The Cold Light of Day. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> you saw that? Oh, yeah. Terrible. Um, Spoiler alert. Bruce Willis dies in the first 10 minutes (laughs) because clearly because he recognized how terrible this is and like pushed to get himself killed off in the movie. I'm 100 percent sure that he was not originally supposed to die early. (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding. Like you guys, it's like I'm almost just watch this movie and see if you agree with me, because (laughs) like I see I I 100 percent believe Originally, he was supposed to be in the entire movie, and they had to kill him off because he was being such a douche on the set to get killed off. Like it's wow, it's pretty fascinating. Henry Cavill, by the way, the only the true Superman, right? <laughs> the only besides Dean Cain, of course. Uh, Alex, <laughs> and Brandon Ralph. <laughs> uh, they brought us Alex Cross in 2012, starring Tyler Perry. <laughs> Yeah. Which, by the way, that might be the most egregious of all their sons. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the Alex Cross DVD in, in Walmart or something the other day, and they're clearly trying to like make people think it's a comedy with Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a picture of him with a gun, and he's like smiling, like with a smirk. <laughs> they don't like, Photoshop a gray wig on him. Yeah. yeah. So he looks like whatever, Medea. Oh. So they're trying to capitalize on the, the Tyler Perry fan base, but it's just, <laughs> oh, man, what a, what a disaster. Uh, Breaking Dawn Part Two, um, Warm Bodies is actually a cool movie, yeah. but that's relativity as well. So I give them the credit. And then here we go. Here comes the year. The year 2013. Go. <laughs> let's go through picture by picture of 2013. So you start with Warm Bodies. Good start. Let's go, Kent. Snitch. Mm. Which Brian said it was pretty. Is okay. Not, not terrible. Okay. Not terrible. Now here we go. Now you see me. <laughs> yeah. Best movie of 2013. Kevin Hart's Let Me Explain, <laughs> which, by the way, I watched with one of my friends who loves Kevin Hart, and we both sat there in silence for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> one of the most unfunny things of all time. It just yeah. was not was not funny at all. Um, Red 2. Not bad. Escape Plan. Haven't seen it. Pretty bad. Good. Yeah. Ender's Game. Pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Not terrible, pretty bad. The Legend of Hercules. Not to be confused with The Rock Hercules later this right. year. This is the Kellen Lutz. Yeah. Where he eats too many marshmallows and has to uh, kill Zeus or something. Um, a 30 Rock reference for you, Brian. Nice. Divergent, last month. And uh, that brings us to the end of the Yellow Brick Road draft day. Mm. 
But hey, guys, it, it gets better because there's some good ones on the uh, on the horizon. Really? Uh, Step Up All In. Nice. Finally. Later this year. Um, Insurgent. Okay. Yeah, the Divergent sequel. sequel. Now You See Me Too. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. And then Allegiant Part 1 and 2. Mm. So, Wow. Because we had to split that into two. We also have a uh, – this is definitely going to be huge uh, – an a epic science fantasy film, Gods of Egypt. Uh, mm. Alex Proyas is directing, and of course, Gerard Butler starring. So this. Could... <laughs> well, what date is that? I got to mark it on my calendar. That comes out February of next. Of no, wait, what the? How do you? Of one hundred and fifty million, by the way, budget. No, and it comes out February twelfth, twenty sixteen. So it's February, so it means it's going to be awesome. So we need more like. Movies in the vein of 300, I think. If we can get Jeffrey some more of those, Rush that'd be great. is in this, and uh, Chadwick Boseman, who is in the movie we're about to discuss, which we're obviously avoiding talking about. <laughs> let's just say, let's so get, all that let's, to say, the um, summit just needs to stop. We met um, their security people at a, the Now You See Me screener. Yeah, they were pretty, pretty awful they're, people, actually. Cool. <laughs> um, well, Brian Gill, you're the first of us mm. to see this movie. Yeah. Uh, try and break it down uh, generically first before we get into specific reasons why this movie doesn't work. Uh, so do that right now. So we're all we're all sports fans, all three of us. Um, we're all big football fans. I love the draft. I'm big time into into NBA especially, but also NFL draft. Um, I, I just I I really think that's a fascinating subject and should make for a a good movie if you chose to make a good movie about the subject um they also had we should mention like unprecedented access to nfl film and personalities and uh players and all that sort of thing um that i i mean i would imagine many other football related films have only dreamed of in the past like oliver stone would have killed to get this kind of deal for any given sunday right i mean they're just getting all kinds of access uh every you know chris berman and rich eisen and john gruden and like every football personality makes an appearance in this film they have great footage uh from college and and the nfl to uh to work with which is pretty great um, and then they just absolutely squandered any sort of positivity that uh, this film could have possibly had. I nearly walked out, guys. Like this was uh, like I was in a theater. I was in a Sunday afternoon theater. I was by far the youngest person in the room by like probably 20 years. Um, the guy who walked in ahead of me. I'm pretty sure is like a scout. Like he's an old school scout. Like he had a newspaper under his arm and a scout's <laughs> like, uh, I don't know what kind of hat you call, but like a, a bucket hat. A white, yeah. Like a yeah. wide brim hat. Um, he Batteries. walked out. He walked out. It was awesome. Like I almost <laughs> just, I almost just followed suit with him just for solidarity. Cause I, anyway, um, it, the first 15 minutes are, s- I don't want to say that the last two hours were any good, but the first 15 minutes is about as bad as a movie has ever been. And, a, and, and certainly as heavy handed as far as exposition goes. Yeah. Oh yes. my gosh. The, the script for this movie, guys, I mean, I, I, I really can't think of a worse script yeah. for, for <laughs> at least as far as the dialogue goes and the way that they just 
bash us over the head with uh, with exposition and ex- and explanation rather than just trust that maybe the people that are watching a movie about the NFL draft know something about the NFL. <laughs> Um, because clearly Ivan Reitman doesn't, and clearly everybody who is involved in the script has no no concept of of football. Uh, Richard, I'm sure is going to make this point, so I don't want to trample over your feet. But I think I think you're you're dead on. If you're a sports fan, especially a, a, a serious sports fan, I don't think there's any way that you can watch this movie and come out saying that that's a good film or that you can enjoy your your time. This may this is made specifically for. The 55 and older Kevin Costner fan, the people that love to watch Dances with Wolves every other week or something, um, it has blatant disregard for its subject matter. It is completely not just unrealistic, but like it goes out of its way to be unrealistic um, in the portrayal of of what happens throughout the course of the film without going into too much detail at this point. But – you can there's like i don't i don't need a movie to be completely realistic for me to enjoy it obviously but you have to at least sort of respect the mad the subject matter that you're dealing with and this draft day has absolutely no regard for for the nfl for sports for draft day for any of that sort of thing the characters are wholly unlikable i love kevin costner i'm a big big kevin costner fan from from way back uh and i think he's i think he has moments where he's pretty good in this but it's not because of it's it has nothing to do with the way his character is written or directed it has everything yeah. to do with i'm kevin costner and every once in a while i can pull out a stinking awesome scene um but the character sucks and he's not fun to watch at all none of the supporting characters are any are, are enjoyable whatsoever uh more, but the big thing is, it is laughably bad when it comes to uh, understanding of the sport of football and draft day, which is the entire point of the movie is is the draft has no understanding of of how it works. It's like they didn't have anybody on set, yeah. who has ever been a part of, not even like a part of an NFL war room, but like had just watched an NFL game before. Like, I don't think anybody on set has ever seen football. I mean, it just, it made no sense. And I felt like went went above and beyond to, to try to make no sense rather than, like, I can forgive you for getting some, for getting details wrong. But when it seems like you're like looking at the details, scoffing at them and then moving on to something else, like that infuriates me. And that's what draft day was. From point A to – from the very beginning to the very end. Yeah. Awful, wretched, horrible film. As somebody who has worked in the NFL before, um, which I did um, last year, worked with the Cal- Dallas Cowboys producing multimedia content and podcasts and stuff like that, uh, this movie was basically torture for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first day with the team last year was draft day 2013. And so I was exposed to being, you know, in the front office when this is all going on. And, uh, you know, like you said, Brian, it could make for an interesting film. Yeah. If you portray the events as they really do happen, that's interesting. Uh, This is just totally made up. Like every aspect of what happens here is totally inaccurate. Um, The the exposition at the beginning, there's so many names – there's so many fictional characters 
mixed in with like real people that, yes. that, that you just don't know who's a real person and who's a character. Like, Key am I supposed to know that guy or not? You know, Key and Peele should have played every um, <laughs> athlete in this. Sort of fun. That's a funny bit they do. That's for sure. Yeah, look that up. Um, yeah, it's it's just too disrespectful to the NFL as a as a whole, and I can't believe like Goodell's in, involved in this movie and that the NFL signed off on this because it's such a misrepresentation of what actually goes on. Like, it's full of like horrible stereotyping. <laughs> just like yes. not there's no logic exercised at all like i'll name four or five things here in a minute there's just no logic at all like it's clear that the script was written and there was no like the team was generic like whichever team that costner's character was almost generic and so they wrote the script and they took it to the nfl and the nfl is like yeah we'll find a team to cooperate with this here you guys go cleveland browns will do it yeah, and so they so they made the Cleveland Browns the subject of the movie, but it makes no sense because <laughs> not that this ha- happens, but there are like several scenes where recruits are calling uh, Costner. Yeah, <laughs> like what recruit who's any good at anything <laughs> would call the Cleveland Browns and be like, "Please yes. draft me." <laughs> yes, I so badly want to play in Cleveland. People <laughs> do everything they can to get out of Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Like that's Ask. the most unbelievable part, and there's no aspect of that 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 even a person in Cleveland could believe. Right. Um, so the it's river like, caught on fire. <laughs> oh my goodness! It just infuriates. There's there's several moments, and um, there's one where P Diddy, who geez, oh, stop gosh. immediately, is Why in this movie. Still a thing, yeah. And he's a he's an agent, and like they get a call from Costner. Um, for his characters, uh, for his client, and you know, Costner hints that they're going to draft him, and he gets off the phone and he looks at his client, and he they high five. He's like, "Yeah, Cleveland!" <laughs> <laughs> Dead serious about it. It was so so terrible. The script in this in this movie is laughable. They, there's um, no logic of time. Uh, at all during the draft sequence itself. Um, Jennifer Garner has to stop too. Um, I cannot stand her. I don't know if it is just me, but I, like I, I can't fine, stand Jennifer Garner. I don't mind her, but her character serves zero purpose. Yes, she's in terrible in this, but I liked her in some stuff. What'd you like or dislike about draft day, Richard? God. Uh, <laughs> How far be, did you make it? I did. I, you know, the movie started at, at 11, 10, was screen time. Um, it probably didn't actually start till about eleven twenty-five, and I was out at I think twelve oh three. So I did thirty-eight minutes of hard work, and I told you guys uh, my hands hurt because I was just grinding them into the cup holder because yeah. I do that when things are bad. Um, and I was so bummed because I was about to. I was like, you know what? I might actually enjoy this. Because I was sitting there, I'm the only one in the theater. And and uh, I'm just like awesome. I'm just gonna call out like, "Oh, bull!" You know, things like that <laughs> during it. And then literally, like as the credits are queuing up, like three people walk in. I was like, "Well, okay, well, get used to the back of my head standing up and leaving because you're gonna see it <laughs> here pretty soon." But uh, yeah, I always like giving it a good. I like shaming people that are have that have elected not to walk out. 
So when I stood up and walked out, I gave it a good, can't do it, just can't. <laughs> Not worth it. So why didn't you like it? Okay, so that being said, um, I'm, I mean, I, I echo a lot what, what both of you said. Uh, it, I can see this being a really good, um, like if this movie was on the NFL Network, remember when ESPN used to do movies? Yeah. Like not documentaries like the, um, the Brian Dennehy, Bob yeah. Knight movie and things like that. Um, if this was going to be on NFL Network as like this fictionalized thing, that that is the level um, that – it's the script. Yeah, the, the exposition was – on uh, the level of just things put in the dialogue that no one would ever say, yeah. especially when you, when you do have this kind of conce- concept of a real NFL. So like realism is going to have to be important if you're actually using – if this actually exists within the world I exist in and these teams are teams that I know of and that I follow, um, maybe speak like actual human beings um, and not a play that a fifth grader wrote. Right. Uh, that was really bad. I had a really – the music was really sappy to me. Horrible. Yes. yes. Um, that was like the thing that just kept – maybe you guys are rubbing off on me. I keep noticing music more and more in movies. Um, there was a – that actually was the final scrawl. There was this really bad cue um, at one point that I was just like, mm, nope. No, it, it was very, very much a TV movie to me. Yeah. Um, that would be great promotion for the NFL on their own network. Like we got Kevin Costner, ESPN's doing 30 for 30. Instead of documentaries, we're going to do fictionalized NFL movies. And everyone would hate on it, but it'd be fine. But in the actual theater, thank God no one saw this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not good, that's for sure. And Kevin Costner, man... Keeps trying to come back and just keeps getting kicked in the face. I feel bad for him. But uh, remember we did that podcast, uh, shout out to the Calypso guys, a few yeah. months back or whenever that was. Uh, no, they'll defend this. They will. They'll defend <laughs> it. But they also said that this would rejuvenate his career. And uh, let's see. Uh, I cannot believe this is currently a fresh rated movie. Critically, but, uh, I just I, can't understand anyone recommending this because it's one hundred and one to football, and I don't. It's think not it, even good at that. It's so bad. I I, I think, <laughs> it, they don't, I don't think it's, it's good, good at that. that, but I think it's good at pretending to know what it's talking about. Yeah, and it's exactly. good at pretending to be a, a football movie for people who don't know football the way that we know football. Like exactly. if all if you watch the Cowboys every week, and that's that's the pretty much the extent of your football involvement. I think you can get lost in the, oh, look, the visuals are pretty cool, and there's Kevin Costner, and oh, that was a pretty good movie. Like I can see how that how that could happen. I just don't see how there's any way that anyone who gives a rip at all about sports and really has paid attention to sports could could be involved in this movie or could watch this movie and come out thinking that it was it was anything but utter garbage. I'd love to know what the budget was because it's only made ten million, and the it's budget's done. not. It's already public. done. Yeah, I mean it's it's lost a lot of money. Well, it's, good. hopefully that money comes right out of the now you see me budget. So <laughs> it um one of the most infuriating parts for me was the way they stitched together all the the phone calls because the movie is basically half phone calls. Yeah, and the way they stitched those together, um, did that? Did you guys find that distracting? Like yeah. how the people were going in and out of each other's frames. Um, if you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. I found that extremely distracting, the way it was edited together. And it's clearly like a thing where, okay, this can't be a traditional back and forth because the dialogue is so god-awful 
that people will obviously see how bad the dialogue is. So we've got to do something to distract people away from how bad what they're actually saying is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just so distracting to the point where I don't even remember what was said during those dialogue scenes because I was just looking at the way they were wiping. It was like a combo between a wipe and a split screen. I can't yeah. really explain it, but it, it did not – I mean it's cool to do it one time, but it was a good five or six or seven times throughout the movie. It was quite distracting to me. I don't know if you guys had yeah, that Yeah, no, I, I didn't like it either. I also hated – every time we jumped to a new city when there was about to be a phone call, yeah. I hated Seattle, home of the Seahawks. <laughs> <Yeah>. Kansas <laughs> City, home of the Chiefs, like huge across the screen. I'm like, we freaking know. Anyone who is here to see this movie should know that Seattle is the home of the Seahawks. Like, yeah. What would have been great is if they had gone, Seattle, home of the Seahawks. Kansas City, home of the Chiefs. Chiefs, Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Left the Redskins part out. That would have been such a great bit. Some of the subplots in this film. Ugh. This entire so movie subplots. is Ugh. just a cringe. Like I can't yes. stress that enough. I was, I laughed out loud on so many dramatic parts that were supposed to be dramatic. Like I was bursting out and laughing there's a point where there's a subplot between costner and jennifer garner like they're supposed to be having an affair or in love or something and <laughs> there's this moment where costner's really conflicted about the draft and so is jennifer garner's character for some reason i still can't figure out and they each go into like different bathrooms <laughs> And yeah. uh, they simultaneously like look in the mirror in the separate bathrooms, but there's a split screen. So you see them both at the same time looking in the mirrors. And I just wanted to be there on set when they're doing that. <laughs> they're shooting that. Okay. Now I want you to look up contemplative into the mirror <laughs> because Gosh. when it's split screened, it just looks so cheesy. I, I was, I literally laughed out loud loud during that part it's like the cheesiest music and they're both just staring into the abyss <laughs> like clearly conflicted about something that they have no reason to be conflicted about it it just they were begging for sentimentality throughout yes. this whole movie and it just yes. fails miserably <laughs> like on well, every level and and that that was another major issue beyond the sports stuff and the just I can't get over I'll never be able to get over the exposition. I don't I really can't think of a movie that I've ever seen that was this heavy. And it continues uh, through the whole movie. The too. entire movie. The entire the worst to me was when he, he walks into the uh the weight room and the strength and conditioning coach comes over and is like, Hey, hey Sonny, do you hear uh do you hear what Brian Drew did today? He threw up four hundred on the squat and hundred and eighty five on the bench press, hundred and twenty, you know, whatever. And then he's like and then the and our all pro wide receiver, you know, LeBron, Masters, yeah. whatever. Yeah. He told like he would know who he is. You don't have to say our all pro wide receiver. Like that that is inherent in the he is the GM of the team. Like that's not uh that's not something that you have to throw in. Um yeah. That drove me crazy, but to get to get you that your point, Kent, on the sentimentality, like Sonny Weaver is a like I said is a wholly unlikable character. So yeah. let him be that. Let him be just like a curmudgeon, like a grumpy old man who gets the job done because he's he's 
you know, he's a tough old guy, he's old school or whatever. Stop trying to play this false sentimentality to make him a likable person when he is clearly not a likable person. And neither is anybody else in this movie. Like, just let it be gross and gritty, you know? Like, that that would have served it much better. Yeah, and touching on that, the the subplot with Kevin Costner's dad dying. (laughs) And... And his mom comes to his office gosh, on draft day gosh, oh. and has the urn full of ashes and is trying to get Kevin Costner to go spread the ashes on the Browns practice field. Not the game field, by the way. Practice field. <laughs> Please all about practice. <laughs> during the draft day, and he's like, Mom, I'm not doing it on draft day. Get out of here. <laughs> and she gets super, super Such upset an about it. Teenager response yeah. to like, oh, I'm getting out of my office, and <laughs> I'm trying to have the freaking draft in here. <laughs> and Gosh, he, he goes off and does something else. Comes back like 20 minutes later, looks out his window. His mom's standing in the middle of the field <laughs> with the urn. Like, Jeez. like, so just she's she. She's like, screw you. I'm going to go spread your father's ashes without you. This can't be done another day or anything. Yeah, it yeah. has you to know, be done. It's not the biggest day of your entire yeah. year. Thing. <laughs> yeah. That Guys. was so terrible. Oh, man. Wow. You know, there were so many little story, like, again, beyond the exposition, beyond the completely un- unbelievability of all the sports stuff. Like, there's so many little story plot points that could have been fixed so easily like they they push so hard on the he makes this big impassioned speech about how quote just one time i want to have the team that i want to put together and then he immediately follows it up by talking about that he's only been here for two years like why not make it eight years you know like why not make it a realistic portrait of look this guy's been here for eight years it hasn't really worked he's probably going to get fired if he doesn't get it together I mean, I know it's Cleveland, and they'll fire anybody right off the, you know, just at the drop of a hat. Yeah, but going for- he's pro- in a realist. If you're trying to make that point, it's so much. It's such a better point to make it seem like he's been there for eight or six years, and then he fired his dad five years ago, not yesterday. You know, I mean, it's just, gosh, so many little things like that. That if who who read this script? Who read this yeah. script and thought, yeah, that's good. That'll work. Like. You could fix some of these things so easily and at least make it a C minus movie, you know, like just, I don't know. Guys. Yeah, this is- it, it makes no logical sense, like I oh. said, and when they get spoilers coming up right now, if you haven't seen it, but don't, don't, please, <laughs> please don't see this. Um, if you I have any sense in your brain. Our, yeah, I went to lunch with our friend Jason yesterday who yeah. uh, did the guest spot, you know, and he was like, I'm not going to see the movie, so just tell me everything that's wrong with the movie. And I literally, like, broke down the entire film for him because I was like, you don't, you shouldn't see it, but we need to talk about how terrible this is. Yeah. Because, um, God, gosh. So there's a, <laughs> it's just one scene I have to mention. So when, when we meet the owner for the first time. Terrible. And, yeah. He takes Kevin Costner to an abandoned water park. Yes. Just so he can make a pun about making a splash in the draft. <laughs> By the way, we need to how make a splash. Frank Langella, as the owner, is basically playing the exact same character he played as the owner of the New York Knicks and Eddie. Yeah. Like, it's exactly. the exact same character without a cowboy hat. That's it. Yeah. And so when we get to the draft. He makes this – the owner makes this big deal about, okay, I'm going to give the jersey to the number one pick myself. 
So he goes to the draft and he's standing on the stage as Roger Goodell comes out to announce the pick. And so Kevin Costner doesn't pick who they think they're going to pick. And the owner's all really upset. And so it cuts back to the war room and everyone's freaking out that they didn't take the player they thought they were going to take. Well, and they're, stayed around for this. And they're, they're flipping out about, <laughs> oh my gosh, we've traded three first round picks for this linebacker. This is never going to fly or whatever. So they have another pick at pick seven or they, they end up trading for a pick at pick seven. So, so we're at pick three or four when they're deciding all this. And then the owner walks into the war room and he's yeah. like, why did you do that? In Cleveland. He was yeah. just in New York five yeah, he, picks before that. Literally a 15-minute right. time span went by. Yeah, yeah we, and, and we have a clock on the wall, so we know yeah. exactly how long it took. There's no logic whatsoever. Yeah. I don't it, understand how anyone could. 40 minutes. He was in downtown Manhattan. Yeah. I mean, less not even like on the runway at 40 minutes. Like yeah. he had to. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> Made no sense at all. And Richard, since you didn't see the end of it, mm-hmm. the uh, the whole bit. So he trades, you know, he trades three first round picks to get the first pick. Then takes the guy that he could have gotten at seven because that, you know, that's <laughs> that's he, he, he takes guy. Yeah. He takes David Conn. Conn. yeah, he takes Jet. Uh, yeah, he takes Chadwick Boseman. Then. <laughs> Then he trades – to me, Kit, this is the worst scene in the movie. Yeah. When So Bo, Bo Callahan starts to slide. So then uh, they know Denver's not going to pick because Denver has some guy named Matt Heron. Like at this point, why not just say Peyton Manning? Like we've been saying other players' yeah. names. Why can't we just <laughs> say Peyton Manning? But they have a quarterback. So who's got the number six pick? Well, that's Jacksonville. Who's Jacksonville's GM? Oh, the kid, Jeff Carson. So they call <laughs> the kid who – might be retarded. Like, honestly, <laughs> the, the actor who plays this character might be retarded. It's the most disgustingly bad portrayal of a human being I've ever seen on a movie. It's so bad. And it is embarrassing to the NFL that they pretended like this person could be the GM of a team. I, it was it – was, so he, he fleeces that guy to get the number six pick and oh, then oh, trades no. – Yes, Please then trade six. Guy. I know, yes. Then he trades six back to Seattle <laughs> for his three first-round picks that they get, that he gave up earlier in their day to get one so that Seattle can now take Bo Callahan. But they'll do it. It makes sense now because now they can save $7 million on the cap. Man, it's just – it's. It's atrocious. That's the worst, yeah. You get fired yeah. immediately for making that trade. Like, like as soon as the owner gets to Cleveland, he says – so you're telling me you could have drafted this guy at number seven. You traded three first-round picks <laughs> to get up to get him. Okay, you're fired. Literally anybody yeah. can take over at this point. Yeah. Wow. And what they end up getting. I love that you remember all the names. I'm impressed. What they end up getting in the first round is a linebacker and a running back. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, they're like, we did it, guys. We got him. <laughs> what franchise in the history, the future. history of the NFL has been transformed from a, a linebacker and a running back? Yeah, I, a I linebacker just, at number one. They're like, all right, Super Bowl, here we come, guys. Like, they were really stoked about it. Like, <laughs> the history of the league, has that ever happened? Like, <laughs> all could happen this year with Clowney to Houston. <laughs> I got it. You never know. Uh, defensive end. He's a defensive end, by the way. If they go three, four, you can go they, linebacker, but yeah, he yeah. plays outside. Not if you want him to be successful, but that's another story. But you know, it just uh, why why not do quarterback or cornerback even or something like the positions that they picked for the for the transformative <laughs> players don't even make sense. Beyond that, just just from a a believability standpoint, 
Why not have him trade for the number one pick and then trade the number one pick to move back and get Vontae to get yeah. the linebacker? You know what I mean? Like that made that at the very least you could say, okay, I can see how that could happen. Like taking you know moving what up to take a linebacker at number one when you could have him at number seven is is you get fired immediately. Like that doesn't that's you know what I want happen. is I want to play fantasy football against the screenwriter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he clearly has no idea what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And and the GM from from Jacksonville. I want him in the league as well. Like, ugh, so bad guys. Here's another moment I have oh. to mention where <laughs> when they're preparing for the draft, it's on draft day, by the way. It's it's three hours to draft. And there's like Kevin Costner walks in the war room, he's like all right, let me see that film on Bo Callahan again. Yeah. And they start going over film three hours before the draft, like start doing their research, like yeah. making yeah. their decision. <sighs> the NFL, these these decisions are made yeah. months in advance. They know who they're yep. taking, why they're taking them. There's no no film yep. being watched on draft day. There's not at all. Um there's a there's a um an an intern character mm. <laughs> who's who is cringeworthy as well. There's a scene where uh, Kevin Costner gets angry about the whole trading up, trading away the pick situation, and he picks up a computer and smashes it against the wall. Nice. <laughs> and the intern comes comes in and's like, "What happened to my computer?" Yeah. Why would and and do Costner's that? like, yeah. "Sorry, kid, I smashed it." And he gets in Kevin Costner's face, and he's like, "Why would you do that, man?" <laughs> like, what intern would get in the general manager of an NFL team's face about a computer? Yeah. Like, he should be like, "Oh no, man, that's cool. Smash my computer any day. Here, here's another computer. Smash yeah. this too." You didn't try that with Jerry when you? <laughs> no, were I did not try that with Jerry. <laughs> Jerry can smash my face in if he wants to, and paint and and uh, I would pay him to do it. But man, good grief, the lingo in the movie. It's just oh, so dude. forced. Uh, one of the moments when they're watching film, uh, one of the scouts is like, wait, there's no fullback in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dennis Leary, who plays the head coach, goes, that's because Wisconsin runs most of their plays out of a spread formation, which doesn't yeah. require a fullback. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny because Wisconsin is like one of the few power yes. run teams yeah. left. Like, yes. Any other school. Any other school. The fact that he threw for 4,500 <laughs> yards at Wisconsin. That's the not – no, no. Like three years at Wisconsin maybe. Like, good God. I just – I just it made me it, – it really bummed me out because obviously it's a terrible movie. But there's so much – I wouldn't say there's potential with this movie, but the subject matter, there is a lot of potential there. It made me really, really want to watch a documentary of somebody's war room, like the entire the entire day with the GM. And obviously, well, stay all tuned for of... my weekly recommend then, Brian. OK, I, I now I've seen I've seen like a 30 for 30 on the agents side of that, which was which is signing uh, uh, the think, dotted line. That's what it's yeah, called. The dotted yeah. line, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would love to see a full documentary. Like, I don't care what team it can be the Browns. It can be the Cowboys. I don't care. But, uh, the, the entire day and, and actually be able to hear the phone calls and all that sort of thing. Cause I love, I love this subject. I think it's so interesting. And this is just the worst, this, this really might be the worst sports movie I've ever seen. So that's such a bummer that they blew that, that access on, on this. Like I said, guys, there is, in my opinion, uh, and in y'all's, of course, too, there's not one aspect of this that I can recommend in no. this movie. And for, for a critic to, to say, well, if you're not into football, it's a good movie. No, it's not. 
like the the script is bad. Like it's just generally bad dialogue, uh, <laughs> uninteresting story. You don't care about the characters. You don't care about the relationship of the characters. You don't care about yeah. their family life that they're telling you about. You don't care about the team. You don't. Nobody wants the Cleveland Browns to like to like be successful. This is not. This is not a friend like the New England Patriots who you know. As an American, you can sort of get behind. Like, there's not one element of this this movie to root for, and uh, it's just embarrassing. I can't believe the NFL put their name on this thing. It's I, only uh, gonna it's only gonna hurt the NFL. It's not. There's not gonna. It's not like people like, man. I saw draft day, and man, I'm an NFL fan now. You know, yeah. it's like I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. got me, guys. I wasn't sold on football before. Yeah. Now, now I'm pretty. Now I understand how draft. Yeah, like every draft I, uh, like the first picks right there. Trade your three first rounders. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, and, uh, I'm on the uh, Wikipedia page for draft day, and uh, it, in the reception category, there's a uh, there's a quote from Jack Hamilton of Slate, uh, who in his review said, "This is a great quote. This just cracks me up." The quote filmmaking here consists of making sure the camera is pointed at people who are explaining the movie's plot to one another. Yeah. Preferably while they are wearing logos and standing in front of more logos. <laughs> that's great. Genie, I saw a Jack review Hamilton, that said – You're my hero, dude. That's that's fantastic. There is a review that said it's the most norm core movie to ever exist. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally uh, accurate. When I saw – I didn't. I mean, I didn't even notice this before I saw the movie. When the credits rolled and I saw Ivan Reitman's name come across the screen, oh, I almost fell out of my chair. I am not kidding. I, I cannot right, believe really. this. I mean, that, I knew it was going in. Unfortunately, is it just? My that, gosh! Like, should he just stop? Or uh, yes, he, it, yes. It, it, it's all Harold Ramis, right? Like, we just yeah. have to say, you never did a thing on your own that was any good. Is that? I mean, is that the point we're yes. at? Yes. You this, and Ackroyd can both go away. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, he is. It's not. It's not been pretty good. So before this, he had Ooh, no strings God. attached. Terrible. My super ex girlfriend. <laughs> Never saw it. But forgot terrible. that one has McConaughey. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Evolution. Terrible. Which I haven't seen. Six days, seven nights with Harrison Ford. Terrible. Uh, Father's Day. Haven't seen that. 1997. <laughs> even oh. Junior. Mm. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, I believe. Kindergarten Dang. Cop. Kindergarten Cop's a jam. Is a jam. And before that, Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters, yeah. Stripes, Meatballs. Yeah. And Dave's not bad either. So I would say 1993 was the last time he did something that was even decent. And my super ex-girlfriend is Luke Wilson, by the way. Oh. Wow. And uh, Uma Thurman, is Luke that right? Uma Thurman. Oh, Eddie. on Ferris. Yay. Okay. Eddie Izzard, Wayne, Wayne Rain Wilson. Yeah, and Jason Reitman's not doing Wanda too Sykes. much better. <laughs> I was just about to make the joke. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, or fortunately, Wanda Sykes and not someone unfunny like David Letterman, <laughs> yeah. a real talent like Wanda Sykes. <laughs> yeah. Man, but it's not looking good for Ivan Reitman. Um, man, just just take it easy. Stop. You don't need to make any more any more movies to be a well known, uh, well respected director. So just Produ- stop while you're ahead. Use your son's movies. Like just, just he's got an Oscar nomination for uh, producing Up in the Air. Just do that. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, don't ever direct a movie again. Yeah. So That's guys, that. grades for draft day, Brian. F. And also, touching on the 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 fresh rating, uh, Kevin Costner has nineteen movies that are that are rated rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. They are all better than this movie. 
Like yeah. not even, it's not even, the postman, totally in on the postman <laughs> as opposed to this. Waterworld, no problem. I'm in on it. Yeah. Uh, rumor has it, the Rob Reiner movie with like Jennifer Aniston. Yes, better than this. Like this is an atrocious movie. F. Yeah, I'm going to go F minus minus. <laughs> Triple F minus. Richard. I'm going to go. Uh, I'll go C plus. Just kidding. Well, I'm no, sure the first saying. thirty minutes were a C plus, but <laughs> no, no, I it was it was. Uh, I'm gonna go F two. Cool. So man, fails triple all F. around. Doesn't yeah. happen a lot fails here. Fails all around, no. guys. Is that Shoot our first triple F? Now you see me and Carrie. I think we're all we're all Fs. I think okay. I gave Now You See Me a D. So yeah, you like Now You See Me. Comparatively, you're on the poster. <laughs> Your quote, you yeah. Not a got movies podcast. <laughs> yep. I hated it less than King. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, I'm glad this one. A poster guy. I get offended when I. Quick tangent here. I get offended when I see these movie trailers and posters that have like random people on Twitter. Yes, yes. That's, like I, I have a podcast. Like, I'll, I'll shill for your movie. Yeah, even if it's bad. If Draft Day came and said they wanted to put my thing, I don't know. I, I, Do you I, I, remember what movie was it? It was last year where the uh, gosh, somebody went and, and looked up all the Twitter accounts. It was that they um, uploaded, yeah, and like put together like a montage of some of the other delightful tweets that those people had yeah. sent out, and it was magnificent. Like half of them did not exist. The accounts did not exist. And the other half, it was all like – it was just the bottom feeders of the world. It was like all racial stuff and, and talking about skinny <laughs> trash and like horrible grammar. I mean it was, it was, it was amazing. Gosh, I wish I could remember what movie it Muppets was. Muppets Most Wanted did a, an ad campaign where they just took tweets from people – <laughs> about the Muppets Most Wanted yeah, and threw them on the they end, did it as a bit, their yeah, trailer yeah. like Muppets yeah. Most Wanted looks super awesome uber dope says yeah. <laughs> says at cool guy 941 yeah. Yeah. yeah just most random stuff uh, I might see that for reals <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was great but I agree um, and, and the fact that I saw so many like journalists and sports writers and stuff like hey just caught an early screening of draft day I give it an A plus. Like just the fact that they saw it early and they were persuaded yes. by the NFL that they would recommend this movie is so bad. Like just one of the, one of the guys. What are you scared on, of? Uh, yeah, one of the guys on Sports Center. One of the what's his, Jay Harris, I think, was like shilling hard for this. Like incredibly realistic. Like you should be fired immediately if you have anything to do with sports and you like this movie. We're done, man. But guys, I'm glad this one's over. Finally, we can oh. we can move on with our lives. And uh, speaking of move on, let's do that and uh, hit Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. So if you're a listener that's interested in the NFL draft, and you obviously are if you saw this movie and or listening to this episode, I'm going to recommend a documentary that you should check out that accurately portrays the events of the NFL draft in an entertaining manner. It's a 30 for 30 presentation by ESPN. I think I might have recommended it last year when it first aired. But it's about the uh, 1983 NFL draft. It's called Elway to Marino. Yeah. And it's probably the best, easily the best documentary about the draft that I can think of. It does all the stuff that Draft Day attempted to do, like the trading the picks back and forth, the settling on a player, and then him not being available thing. It's super, super interesting. I'm probably going to watch it when we get off this podcast just to get Draft Day out of my head. Um, I'll link it on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. It's on YouTube. 
So you can watch it for free if you don't have ESPN or if you don't want to pay for the DVD or, or on demand or something like that. It's 100% worth all your time. And, and it's just a really interesting thing. Like if you're not a Cowboys fan or a football fan in general, you can see like where your franchise might have been, you know, because yeah. so many players could have ended up so many different ways, but just like one small decision changed the, changed their franchise forever. And uh, man, it'd just be super interesting to think about where some of our franchises would be without this draft or with this draft. So ESPN's 30 for 30, Elway to Marino. I'm going to recommend that and say that's the only draft movie you'll ever need. Um, if you, so if you, if you want, want NFL-themed movies, uh, I can not recommend that enough. So check that out. Elway to Marino is my recommend. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, this is yep. really good. One of, the, one of the better ones they've done, Definitely. for sure. Spectacular. Uh, what's your recommend, Brian? Yeah, I'm gonna. I've been hardcore on uh, on the 24 uh, re-watching thing, so I haven't had too much time on other movies. But there is a a film that uh, just came out on Blu-ray for the first time uh, a week or so ago called uh, called Once. Have you guys seen this movie? No, I saw. I saw the. Um a trailer that said from the director or producer of Once or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I I recall the uh, the film, but I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, Did it's, you say it's, Once, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the the movie and the musical's good too. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I would I'm I'm excited. I want to see the musical at some point. Um, the movie itself is 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 good, not great, but good. The music is is fantastic. It is. This is my favorite. Uh, this is my favorite soundtrack of all time. Swell um, season, right? Is the name of the. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Glenn Hansard and and uh, Marquetta Irglova, um, who did yeah. Swell season. Glenn Hansard is a folk singer, Irish folk singer. Uh, I saw him when. He, he toured with Eddie Vedder on Eddie's uh, solo tour, a couple, uh, I guess 2012. I saw him, and he was just – he's magnificent. Um, all the songs are just like if – you, if you're going through a breakup, like, get this soundtrack. Like, it's the most – like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you can just drown your sorrows in, uh, in this stuff. It's just super raw and, uh, and emotional and just he's, – he's so eloquent with his, uh, his lyrics. Uh, but the movie is, is really simple. Like, it was made on a nothing budget. It just follows this – uh, street performer uh, as he kind of navigates this quasi relationship with another street performer. Um, and it, it, there's really, it's a really simple plot. It doesn't have, it's, I think the budget was next to nothing. Um, but the, it, it's, it's interesting to watch them, them work together. Uh, and, and again, the, the music is just fantastic. So uh, check, check out once uh, now available on, on Blu-ray. Sweet. Good and recommend. The, I will check that out. And the director, uh, John uh, Carney, I believe, has gone on. He's got a new movie out. I haven't seen. I've heard it's decent. Called uh, Begin Again. Yeah, we saw the preview for that. I did anyway before drafting. That's what I'm thinking of. That's where I saw yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, and starring um, Future American Treasure, and now you see me cast member Mark Ruffalo. Right. So you know so, it's good. Oh man, with that the one with Adam Levine in it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll check that out. Definitely. At least the soundtrack because. I'm down with that. Uh, yeah. Richard, recommend. Yeah. Uh, my weekly recommend is going to be a book uh, that I finished reading uh, the other day. And it's a – I don't know if you, either of you probably would like – I know both of you would like this quite a bit. Uh, have you, either of you ever read George Saunders? No. No. He's kind of a cool modern short story and uh, novelist. Uh, he writes kind of um, 
I don't really know, but very, I don't know how to describe it very well, but very kind of modern, fun stories. Um, there's always some darkness in them, but they're always pretty funny. Uh, he has a book, uh, I think it's a second short story collection called Pastor, Pastor Lelia. It's hard to say. Um, that the opening story is the, the, the title of the book and is a really, really funny look at these people that uh, they essentially live in a cave at a theme park um, as an exhibition. And it kind of goes through their day. They have to roast a goat every day, and then people walk by and look at them. They're basically living as cave people, um, huh. but they're but they're modern people. <laughs> um, and then they could go back in their room and they can like uh, fax their family and things like that uh, huh. to communicate. But they have to live twenty four hours a day um, as cave people. Um, just nice. that is kind of a glimpse of kind of the stories he writes. But he's always interesting. And uh, definitely check out – he has another book called Civil, Civil Warland and Bad Repair or Disrepair. I don't remember which, uh, which is excellent and, and some really good novels as well. So I uh, highly recommend George Saunders, uh, Pastoralia. That sounds like an interesting premise. Yeah. I would like to see but, that a movie. Yeah. I was that. thinking about it last night actually. That's a really cool idea. Uh, good recommend. Man, I got a, a lot to catch up on. That's for sure. Uh, well, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for sticking it through draft day. Mm. Um, yeah, and, uh, we hopefully listeners. If you see us on the street and you're a fan of the podcast, um, first of all, thank you so much for listening. But if you could just give us five, ten dollars, um, yeah. for now you see me in the draft day <laughs> and during it for you, yeah, um, that would uh, you know, I'm not a mooch here, but that would really help, yeah. Buy us a cup of coffee or something. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to, you can you can treat us like a homeless guy. You don't have to give us money, That's but fine. maybe just get, buy we, us. Lunch. We'd probably spend it on the wrong things. So yeah. you'd be right to to not give us the money. Yeah, yeah. well, we get we get it. It's fine. Yeah. We'd pro- you know we'd spend it on seeing another bad movie. So. Richard uh, gave his money to Wes Anderson for this. I, I did. <laughs> I did. I bought a ticket for uh, for Grand Budapest and then watched Draft Day. It would have been great if uh, if those other people hadn't come into the theater and then like ten minutes into the movie you just have. <laughs> A couple of uh, of theater attendants come in thinking they're going to be able to take a nap because nobody <laughs> was in the theater, and they're like, "Oh, hi, sorry, sir." Just yeah, making sure a, it's a clean. Nap, a nap would be the best option. There's a lot of other worse things. Yeah, to yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. I was at a uh, like the Cinema Suites in Grapevine one time when uh, and one of the chairs. I don't remember what movie I was seeing, but one of the they have like the you know super reclining seats uh-huh. and stuff, and there was just. For literally the entire movie, that the entire time we were in the theater, there was just some theater attendant covered in a blanket sleeping in one of the chairs. <laughs> Living the dream, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he like had a split shift or so, or what, but man, he was just he was. That'd be great out. if it, like he just clocked in and that was his bit every day. As he found like the interesting <laughs> movie, he yeah. Clocked in now, I'm like, where is Jeff? It's like he's, <laughs> he's here. He clocked in. I mean, yeah. he did his cars out front. He's yeah. busy. He's busy. All right, guys. Well, I'll let you guys get out of here. And yeah. on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.